All right, welcome back to the Whiteboard Weekly Podcast. Jason here, along with the artist, Carl Eagleman. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, as always. Uh, just like we talked about last week, this has become one of my favorite times of the week uh, to sit down with you and discuss, kind of d- dive deeper into some of the cues that are featured on Whiteboard Daily. And I think that we've got a fun one today. I'm, I'm very thankful that people are listening in. Thank you so much for the response that we've gotten so far. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I enjoy our conversations as well. And I truly believe just having these conversations is making me a better coach. And if someone's listening, I would imagine it's doing the same for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, and it's the whole reason why we're even sitting down here talking is just to make sure. I created Whiteboard Daily to be a, an, a source for coaches to get good quality coaching content so they can, they can become a better coach. And that's the reason why we have Whiteboard Weekly here as well is because it's another way that we can provide information to coaches so that they can sharpen those tools that are in their toolbox, make them become a better coach. And at the very least, they can just kind of think about the things that we're talking about. So yeah, it's been an awesome, awesome journey so far. All right. Well, for the listeners, fire up your internet. And what you're going to want to do is go to Instagram, go to whiteboard underscore daily, and you're going to find the post from May 26th, May 26th. And that post is titled Trapdoor, and that is the topic for today's episode, Trapdoor when transitioning under the bar. So in the, in the post, Carl, you reference Holly Faye, who is Holly Faye Mahoney. How do you know Holly? I do not know Holly, other than she uh, has reached out to me on a previous post, and uh, she said, and she mentioned it was it was a cue. A previous post was a cue, and she mentioned trapdoor, and I was and it reminded me of this great cue. And I was like, I'm so glad that she reminded me of that. And that's the whole concept too behind Whiteboard Daily is I love to showcase cues I've learned from somebody else, but also thank them and kind of put them on on the spotlight as well. Because coaching to me, good coaching is is a community effort. Uh, it's best when we keep this whole social aspect in social media and we kind of share the spotlight. It's not just about whiteboard daily and the coat, the cues that I write, but it's where I've learned them. I think that's just as important and kind of pay it forward if you will. Um, but anyway, thank you so much to Holly Faye Mahoney for uh, reminding me of this great cue. And yeah, the idea here is that uh, you've got a trap door and you want to transition your feet from that jumping stance to a squat stance and uh, drew it out there. So hopefully people kind of understand what's going on. Do you remember what lift she was critiquing? Uh, I do believe it's probably the clean um, because that's typically what people think about when uh, they think about this, this cue, the, the, the cool part about this is that it's not just for the clean or for the snatch. It's for both really. And also when you think about it, if you are a, um, a squat jerker or a, a, a push jerker, it, it, it kind of applies the same thing too, where you get your feet reset after you come out of that, that clean, you stand everything up or the, the, uh, yeah, the clean, you stand everything up, get your feet repositioned underneath your hips and then you dip and drive and there's a, an extension, a transition, and then a receiving a punch with the bar overhead. Same thing applies to that. I didn't mention that in this post, but still trapdoor also applies to that as well. Have you ever tried that method? You know, for a lot of people, you know, the, the person they think about when, 
when doing a, a power jerk and dropping is, is Kendrick Ferris. Yeah, Kendrick Ferris is just – he is a, a symphony of muscle to watch. He's just so impressive. Uh, that, and he really was the first one that I can remember as far as remembering who it was uh, who did that. And he it's just – he makes it look so efficient. When I try and do that, um, which isn't very often – uh, it's it's not the optimal uh, optimal movement for me. Definitely split jerk for me uh, because I can get a little bit lower and be more stable and really punch through. But man, when you are in that um, that kind of a squat, semi squat, three quarter squat, even a full depth, and you're punching overhead, uh, regardless of if the bar is in your squat, your jerk stance or a snatch grip, it's still uh, man it, to me. It's, it's more difficult. I can see how it's more optimal for people. For me, it doesn't work so well. What would you say? I, I would agree with you. It's, it's very challenging, whether you're six, seven, or five, three. What do you think is the limiting factor for most people? You know, in other words, you have to not only be able to get into a really solid squat, but I think for most people, it's that shoulder positioning is that what you would say is your limiting factor yeah definitely the shoulder position of getting your head through the window uh, with your arms overhead and being in that stable position with arms locked out um, so many times it has to do with your shoulder girdle uh, your lat uh, mobility um, yeah and it's just just like anything else, it takes practice. The more you do it, the better you get. And if you find that you become more efficient doing that method, uh, then by all means, you do what works best for you. Um, there's so many different styles out there. We talk about cues that allow you to uh, become a better mover in sense of uh, biomechanics and anthropometrics and physiology. But the thing is, is that there's different styles and, you, and everyone's different and you need to do it what works best for you. So uh trapdoor though I, I think it's 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 a universal cue that applies to whoever you are um because the for the most in that pulling stance of getting the bar off the ground through the first pull second pull and as you're transitioning through getting your your elbows under and you go to receive the bar now you've transitioned from pull to a squat a front squat and you get in that best squat position, which means that your feet are likely going to be underneath your shoulders, slightly toes pointed, slightly out, and then that way you can drive up and finish uh, the clean. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact quote, but I want to say Coach Bergener says something along the lines of 90% of missed lifts are due to poor foot positioning. Yeah, he says that. Yeah, and we discussed that during the Bergener Strength Certification, which I highly recommend any lifter, it's such a great course uh, because they are able to cater to any lifter, any coach at whatever level they are. I mean, I'm talking about not just your beginners, uh, intermediates, but also who are your advanced. You can still take part in any kind of conversation that they have during that course. And I was fortunate enough to have both Sage and Coach B uh, leading my certification, which was just an honor to have them. I've watched so many videos of them. Uh, at, at Mike's gym out there in California and to have them actually leading the certification was, was an honor. But anyway, yes, going back to it, 90% of mislifts are due to the feet, which makes sense because that's the one thing that's connecting you to the ground. It's, it's inevitable. You have to have that. 
Let me ask you a theoretical question while we're on this topic of Olympic lifting. Yeah. You, you know, you, cause you're highly involved with a big part of, you know, USAW in the past. And, you know, obviously you've spent a lot of time with these two lifts. What influence, what do you think the ultimate long-term influence and impact of CrossFit was on Olympic weightlifting? I think it's been massive. I think it's, it's just like it speaks to me, like the reason why I learned about Olympic lifting, but also the reason why I learned about rowing, indoor rowing, uh, the reason why I learned about uh, or got deeper into running uh, or in any kind of gymnastics movements is specifically because of CrossFit and CrossFit introduced me. It was like a gateway drug to all of these different sports that were out there. And I think more so than anything, it's probably influenced gym, uh, weightlifting more than any other sport. Uh, and I think it's because there's so much, um, there's so much you can do with a barbell. Um, I would say gymnastics, but people tend to just love to lift weights and, and drop them from overhead. And I think that, that allowing people to drop weight from overhead with bumpers is something that is really only found in either CrossFit gyms or sport performance gyms and, and probably not so much even in the latter. Um, and that's why people, I think, were so intrigued with it when it first came out is because it's not something you could do at a Globo gym or your high school gym or, um, you know, your typical place where you would go, your, your YMCA, uh, because <laughs> no one liked the noise. No one liked, they thought it was dangerous. Uh, and it is if, if you're not taking care of, of your surroundings. Um, but it was a new concept to people to be able to drop weight from overhead. And I think people were like, they liked the aggressiveness. They liked letting out the steam and the, um, uh, the perspective that you have to take to move heavy weight. It was a new concept to many people. I think that's one of the reasons why um, so many people were introduced to weightlifting through CrossFit. So it, 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 I'm only speaking for myself there, though, because that's how I feel. No, I agree with you. I don't remember the first time I dropped weight, but in the first you know, 10, 15 years of my fitness career, I didn't drop any weights, or if I did, it was an accident, but I yeah. remember many of the times where I encouraged, you know, a, one of my members to, Hey, just drop it. You know, you see those people when they're, when they're new to CrossFit, maybe they go overhead and they like lower it down. I'm like, no, no, no. And they're like, what? And then they'll keep their hands on the bar a little too long as it follows, you know, as it falls to the floor. So it's always exciting to see that and especially in women. I love watching women drop weight for the first time and feel like, yeah you know, I'm strong and powerful. So yeah, I think, you know, the influence on weightlifting by CrossFit can't be understated. It's definitely one of the long-term lasting impacts that we're going to see. I think, and I think a lot of those weightlifters and coaches and gyms are, are grateful for it. I think you, you see that they, they now acknowledge that, Hey, this was not that it was a dying sport, but it was a sport that may not have grown to the place that it is today. Now, you know, people look forward to the Olympics to watch the, to watch this, which, you know, 10, 15 years ago wasn't happening. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I remember, um, I was actually, I was training at, at IU at the, uh, one of the rec centers there at Indiana university. And they had these beautiful stacked out power rigs, you know, a squat rack and, but it also had a platform and it had nice rubber lanes for you to, um, to drop the weight. And they had, beautiful bumpers. It wasn't like a leak or anything, but it was like nice stuff, really nice stuff. And I remember I was doing 
quirk. This is back uh, probably like in 2008 or so or 2009. And I just kind of learned about CrossFit. And I was trying to do some Olympic lifting. And, and I remember like I was, I would do a clean, I would drop the bar and it would bounce as it normally should. And the trainer, when the trainers walks up to me, they're like, Hey, let's take it easy now. And I'm like, <laughs> like I, I was like, I, I, you don't want to argue, but you're like, you do like, this is why, this is what it's designed to do. Like these are rubber bumper plates and this is a rubber. And it was one of those things where I think it kind of drives a lot of people to go to CrossFit because you're like, you don't want to hassle, deal with the hassle of people are like, you know, complaining about the noise, even if it is the trainers that work there. So, yeah, we don't want to hit that lunk alarm. The lunk and, alarm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's, let's look at the post, you know, again, it's called a trap door and you say when transitioning under the bar and the snatch are clean. And obviously, like you mentioned earlier, could also be used in other lifts like the jerk. What does this mean? During the snatch or clean, imagine you are standing on a trap door. As soon as you jump, it opens, and you must position your feet on either side of it. Squat stance, landing receiving position to avoid falling in. And it, and it really is that simple. So mm -hmm. we, we use this cue a lot, and, and I agree with you. It's primarily for the clean snatch. I've used it for the, for the medicine ball clean as well at level one and level two seminars. Yeah. Talk to me about what you find the best way to teach this. Do you do this with somebody with uh, PVC, with no bar, with mm -hmm. a barbell? Because for me, I like to reinforce this by just having people stand up tall, you know, and, and whether it's go or trap door, watching them make sure they hit that hip extension and then driving their feet out. But when do you find this the most valuable? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I, I would hope that most people who hear my answer are going to agree with it because it's just like anything else. You want to start off with just your body weight, not even using any kind of PVC pipe or anything. Um, you just want them to stand, like you said, stand tall and imagine that they're getting as tall as they can, even up on their toes. And then you want them to drop into immediately drop into their squats. And then you want them to notice the feet position, how the feet position will change from, um, you know, like again, going back to Steve Haydock that I learned that, that wipe your feet on the, on the welcome mat, um, that power position, feet directly underneath your hips and stand tall as fast as you can and then drop it to the squat stance and allow them to feel the shuffle. It's like a shuffle of their feet to that, um, to that squat position. Um, I think it's really important that we don't kind of overstate the, like, we don't want to enforce like a donkey kick here. We don't want to enforce a, an over-exaggerated slam of your feet on the ground. But if your feet are landing as they should, which should be a flat foot on the ground, it should have a pop, an audible pop to it, okay? But we're not looking for a big slam of your feet on the ground. That, that, that doesn't really make you more efficient at all but we are looking for the audible pop your feet landing flat and then you dropping into that that squat stance um also too what i think a lot of people and it took me a while to kind of understand this as well but um so many people say catch the bar your catch position and if you look at like i've read i love greg everett he's like one of the the foremost when it comes for me for like learning from other people obviously Mike Bergner, uh, Glenn Pendeley. There's so many other great weight, Olympic weightlifting references that I use out there. And most of them, I think all of 
actually will say that there shouldn't you, you're not catching the bar it's not it's not a passive um a passive action you don't let it ha you don't let it happen you actually either you punch the bar or you receive the bar those are um you want to translate you want to make sure that your athlete knows that you're not just letting this happen you are actively still pulling under the bar and you're receiving it you're not going to just like like you catch a cold it doesn't take any effort to catch a cold then you're just like you're not going to catch the bar so make sure your athletes know it's an active receive of the bar i like that analogy of catching a cold i've never heard that and you know as you were talking one thing i had written down was the donkey kick because i agree with you i think for a lot of people, when they're starting to clean, when they're starting to snatch, they, you know, they, they think about that sound and how can I make that sound louder? Well, I can jump and I can slam my feet down. Yep. Right. Yeah, and, and exactly. You know, and what I often remind them of is like, Hey, when you're hearing that sound for, for many people, it's like really hard uh, shoes, plastic or, or wood, depending on the type of shoe you're wearing, mm -hmm. landing on a wooden platform. Yep. So it's going to be a lot louder than, you and your nanos landing on rubber stall mats mm -hmm. right so that yeah. doesn't mean it, it should be quiet but if we focus on that noise oftentimes you see those athletes jumping bending their knees and mm -hmm. and that creates a host of other issues you know are they in a solid position there's more timing going on so what are some methods that you might use if someone is consistently donkey kicking yeah absolutely so there's a, there's a few that come to mind uh, number one is jump hard, not high. And the idea here is that you jump as as hard as you possibly can, but you barely let your feet uh, leave the ground. And and if they say, well, like how high do I jump? Well, another cue is a credit card vertical. And I, this is one of the old Mike Bergner videos that were that was posted on CrossFit a long time ago. And someone said, how high should you be jumping? Because he he loves to simplify the lifts down to it's just a jump and a land and it's so true and they're like how high should you jump he's like you you should jump the height of a credit card and he's talking about the width like we're not talking about a credit card on end which is just laying there just enough for you to move your feet from that pulling stance to the receive stance so jump hard not high um there's another one about um oh gosh i, I just had it i can't remember it's another one that bergner strength uses jump hard not high um, well, they, they have so many, but I think, oh, you know, yeah. the, the purpose is, and that's why I like this trap door cue. I mean, if, if you think about it, if you were standing still and a trap door opened, yeah, you wouldn't think to yourself, I better jump. You would just be like, where's the floor? And your feet would naturally spread apart. Yeah. And that's what it should be like. And I like that credit card. I, I say that often, like I should be able to just barely slide this credit card under your feet. Like I'm making a transaction. So yeah, ooh, not, yeah, transaction. Now the other thing, though, so I I feel like there's there's many faults that occur, but two major ones. You get the people that are like, okay, wow, I need to make this stomp sound, so I'm gonna jump, bend my knees, and slam my feet down, aka the donkey kick. The other thing that can happen, though, is especially as we're building to this, people get mm -hmm. so concerned about moving their feet that the hip extension disappears. Yeah, exactly. So what oh, are some yeah. of the cues you might use for that? Yeah, first one that comes to mind is one of my favorite ones. And it's you, it's very recognizable. I like the way how it rhymes, uh, but it's get tall before you get small. Um, and it's basically, it addresses exactly what you mentioned. You cannot get tall without 
having a full hip extension. And in order to demonstrate that, what we have done so many hard, so many things, or so many times before, is that you stand. Is that you use a tactile cue where you stand next to your athlete, you have them stand as tall as they possibly can, and then you say, "Hey, my hand is above your head, an inch." What I want you to do is I want you to go through um, the, the transition, but I want you to tap your head on the top or where my hand is, and they'll be like, "Well, there's no way I can." You know, you can't, you can't, they realize quickly you can't do that without getting as tall as they can before they drop low. So, um, yeah, get tall before you get small. That's one of my favorite ones right there too. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I love that for a lot of people, whether it's the donkey kick or they just, you know, for example, another point we see this come up is the push jerk at the level one. Yeah. And you know, when yes. you're using PVC, you know, I, I don't have a great vertical, but I can jump easily three to six inches off the ground, right? Because I'm like, okay, yeah, I need definitely. to open my hips. And what I have to remind people is it's similar to what you said earlier, it's jump hard, not high. Like, mm -hmm. we understand we need hip extension. We understand you're jumping extremely hard. Keep in mind right now, you have PVC on your shoulders. It doesn't really weigh anything. So you can jump very high. What I want you to do is think about hard. And when I say that, I'm, I typically follow that up with you're squeezing your butt jump as hard as you can yep. and squeeze your butt and that'll limit the height that you get off the ground but yeah when we think about this trap door cue you're you're not really jumping high no you're just yeah, you're not the, the idea and also here's another thing that i i would illustrate to my athletes it's kind of a, it's, there's no real cue with this one but i wanted them to understand that when they are transitioning you got to imagine that you want to have it so quick. Like if you're to jump, you're, you're leaving the earth and then your feet are going to return to the earth and there's space between the earth before they return. Now imagine doing that. If you have any kind of weight on the bar at all, like we want to minimize you leaving the earth basically, because we want to get, use that time to get under the bar. So if you have, are, are spending time in the air with the bar, uh, that's time that you could spend getting under the bar and getting ready to meet the bar when you finish that transition. Um, and, you know, and that's, and that, and that goes back to that hip extension. I think a lot of people, they're like, well, I got to get under the bar. You know, the third pull, I got to pull myself under this bar and they, and they rush the hip extension, which means they typically don't hit full hip extension. I'm, you know, there's that balance of like, there's more to be gained by opening your hips to their full extension. Now, if we go too far, we're wasting time, we're wasting energy, but yeah. you must hit that hip extension. Now that buys you that extra millisecond, half a second to pull yourself strong under that bar. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. The, the other one that I was gonna mention that I forgot about, um, it, it goes along with, instead of saying jump hard, not high, and I've done this one before, jump hard, land hard, uh, in the sense that you want that transition to get up as, as hard as you possibly can or, and, or get under as, as quick as you possibly can to land and to stabilize and be ready to receive the bar. Um, I've drawn that one up before. It's kind of a different play on what we're talking about here, but um, the land hard, hoping that it illustrates the aggressiveness that you need to get back underneath the bar before it's, it starts coming down. Yeah, when we teach the medicine ball clean, you know, a lot of people catch it and they're in a lazy position because it's only you know, 20, 14, 10 pounds, and they can land however they want with that. 
And I always encourage them, similar to that land hard, you know, when you catch this medicine ball, you have to imagine it's your best clean. It's your best front squat and yeah. being in an extremely solid position. I should be able to walk up to you and you should be one solid piece there. Now, yeah. let's let, let, so going back to the trap door, what, what I typically do is, you know, we're working, we're standing, I might say go, and people jump their feet apart to what I would refer to as maybe an athletic position where you're, you know, your hips are sent back a little bit, you have a flexed hip, flexed knees, not quite at the bottom of your squat yet. Just to get them accustomed to where yeah. my feet are going to land. Yeah. And then I might say, okay, test it, squat. Yeah. And then that's where a lot of people are like, this isn't my squat stance. So two, two tools that I might use, let me know what you think would be either, depending on the box, taking some chalk and drawing where their feet should land. If you don't mm -hmm. want to make a mess or maybe, you know, due to the pandemic, you no longer use chalk at the box. Mm -hmm. You could use tape as well. Yeah. Have you, have you used either of those tools? Uh, I've used both of those tools and there's even one, and I, I, I'm kind of hesitant to actually share this. I mean, if it works for you, use it, but here's an idea um, is to have the athlete because different athletes all have different hip widths and squat widths and, and whatever. Um, but what you can do is that you can have an athlete uh, with both feet on a bumper plate. And as you have them drop into their squat stance, their receiving stance, their feet go to the side of the bumper plate. Now, that's not to say, again, if you have little Marianne and, and her hips, her squat stance, asking her to squat with, her, with a bumper plate between her feet is, is going to be way wide for her, then it's not going to work, obviously. But what I'm trying to say is that you can have uh, different things that they can step on. It might be, just be a flat board that you have in the gym just for that instance, um, but a way that they can understand the proximity of where their feet should land when they go through that transition. That also might help. Um, we also talk about uh, like a, an imaginary board between your feet and you know, if you go into a split jerk, landing from a split jerk, you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have your feet on a tightrope. You want to have your feet on railroad tracks. There's a lot of the different visual analogies that you can have for foot placement that hopefully help your athlete understand. But more than anything, it's taking the time to have, build the body awareness in both of those positions, the pulling or the jumping stance and the squat receiving stance. And having the athletes kind of go through movements and emotions in both of those body awareness is massive, isn't it? Right. Like that's one of the things I'm sure that with you and I and in our vintage and how much time we spent in CrossFit, especially, and just being an athlete, you realize the, how, you know, it's, it's great to build strength and it's great to build coordination and balance. But man, to just have body awareness of where, like to, to look at you and know where my foot is, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a big skill that I think people overlook. Oh, I think that's what CrossFit teaches so many people. I think it's why it's important that at any age you should be doing it because people misconstrue the idea of, okay, grandma doesn't need to pull 225 and clean 225. Hey, if grandma can do that, you know, shout out to grandma. Yeah, but right. if grandma understands where her feet are in space, yeah, she's less likely to fall down. Yep. And if she does fall down, she's more likely to know how to land, to brace herself, et cetera. And, and yeah. I love your tip of that bumper plate. You know, people talk about, you know, putting boxes out, you know, limiting anything that works, obviously keep your athletes safe. If, if you have a newer athlete with less awareness, 
you probably don't want them landing on something. That's where right. the chalk or tape, if they're getting better, you can throw that bumper plate down like you just suggested. What's your opinion on this? This is actually something I struggle tremendously with. I mm -hmm. land goofy, my right foot turns out big time, and you know I, I, I struggle with catching myself in that clean. A lot of times, especially at lighter weight, say we're doing um, a workout that calls for maybe 135 or less squat cleans, I may actually set up in my squat stance. Uh, to pull, to get off the ground? Yeah, just to pull. I still want to hit that powerful hip extension. I still want triple extension, right? You'll see me get onto my toes, extension of the hips, knees, ankles. But then I don't have to worry as much about moving my feet. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion? Am I just, is it a cop-out and I need to go back and, and learn how to do it right? Is it a veteran, like you said, uh, vintage advantage there? Or is it just, you know, I'm lazy? Uh, well, thankfully enough, like I've discussed exactly this and my take is very similar. Again, I, I know we, we reference Mike Bergner a lot here, but if we're going to talk about Olympic weightlifting and if we're going to talk about CrossFit, his name has got to pop up. And he has talked about maybe specifically exactly that. Here's the difference. Um, here's the difference between doing cleans at 135 for higher reps and going for 75, 80, 90 100% to be one or at max. One is going to be high repetitions and your, and the idea is to get as much, as much work done as possible in a short amount of time. Okay. The other one is to, uh, get, as, get the heaviest weight that you can successfully right now. There's, it's a, what I'm trying to say is that they're different sports and they're different animals. Right. And so, if you're like, oh, you must, in order to be as efficient as possible, every single rep of that first set of 21, second set of 15, third set of nine, whatever, with 135, your feet should be going out to, they should be changing position. You should be thinking trapdoor every single time. I think that's an incorrect way to look at that because what this trapdoor cue is, is a cue to help you become a better lifter for for a heavy rep or heavy weight. And yes, you can go uh, and do that every single rep for your Metcon, but we also want to get work done as fast as possible as well. So it's a give and take. And there's, I feel like there's nothing wrong at all with setting up in your squat stance and going through every single rep with your clean and, and not even having your feet leave the ground. Hey, more power to you, go for it. But if we're taking you to the platform and if we're working up to a heavy one rep max, you need to focus more on your technique and you need to focus more on moving your feet uh, when the time comes. That's how I feel about it. I don't know. You probably, I'm, you probably feel the same way. I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's that battle of, okay, am I trying to be efficient and get my best time or is this my time to work on technique? Yeah. And there's a, there's a great video. I think it was Kendrick Ferris again, doing grace. And if you watch like all 30 of his reps were just this like, picture perfect movement pattern and his yeah. time was i don't remember his time but i know it was decent but i remember thinking to myself man if he just kind of allowed himself to go mm -hmm. he would have saved himself a minute but yeah. he was so dialed into his technique from the years of olympic weightlifting that you know it, it cost him time and that's that's a conversation i have with athletes in general about a workout you know they say you know should i go to, go on broken and where should i break etc and, you know, with CrossFit, we talk about force, distance, and time. 
You know, you want to maximize intensity. Intensity is where we get results. Right. No different than where you set up your feet. There's a way in which we approach a workout that if I break here, my time is actually faster at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. You know, and you know, I've had this argument with people like, if you're breaking too often, you know, to, to you're defeating the purpose. The best in the Matt Frazier doesn't think to himself, where am I going to break these 30 snatches? Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's thinking I'm going unbroken, mm -hmm. but there's a point in time for me, for you, where, Hey, if I break every three, five, 10, I'm actually going to have a better time than if I hang on to the bar and go for 17 and blow myself up. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, that really brings to mind uh, one of the cues I learned from Kevin Ogar with uh, the adaptive training systems. Um, he talked about and the reference, the term is actually kind of, it, it can have two meanings, but it's gaslight mentality. I know recently people were talking about gaslighting and, and this sort of thing, but gaslight mentality in this sense is that as you're going through, you have like this control panel in your brain and your brain's gonna be like, okay, listen, I've got three reps left before I got to fail or one rep or whatever. And the idea is that it's even more important for adaptive athletes to listen to this because the risk versus reward could be even uh, greater for them. Well, not so much reward, but the risk can be greater because if they fall off a bar, if they uh, have a bar fall on top of them, whether they're in a wheelchair, it's not worth it. So they need to pay more attention to that gaslight going off to say, listen, I don't have very many reps left. I need a break right now. Any kind of athlete should be thinking the exact same thing. And Pat Sherwood, who this is one of my favorite quotes by him, he talks about break before you are broken. And it makes so much sense because when you think about what's the sense in going completely, you know, foot to the gas pill, all out as hard as you can, if you're, A, you're not going to make it through the workout and you injure yourself, or B, you, you don't understand, you don't learn from the, the situation. So what I'm trying to say is, is you need to have the, not just the body awareness that we talked about earlier, but also what your body is capable of and when you should break and listening to that. So yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah. And a lot of that just comes from time and experience, you know, especially, you know, when you think about that, typically we're thinking of metabolically, like, okay, my heart rates to the roof, but even more so when it's a strict move, you know, the, the one that comes to mind right away is the handstand pushup. I mean, yeah. I've seen people, you know, come to their demise by doing one too many handstand push-ups and you're done. Like you need to rest five minutes before you have the strength to do one more, you know, yeah. muscle ups are a great example. Yeah, you know, absolutely. when you're talking about cycling a barbell, we're typically like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to redline. I don't want my heart rate to go so high that I have to calm back down, but you kind of learn that. And, and, it, and I think that's why it's really important as athletes and CrossFit members to approach workouts from both of those vantage points regularly. You need to have days where you're like, okay, this is Fran. And mm -hmm. my goal is to, you know, go yeah. full bore unbroken, send it. send it. Right. And then there needs to be days where maybe even that same Fran where you're like, okay, can I hit this and maintain my heart rate? Can I hit this and not come off the pull-up bar because I'm smarter with my thrusters and mm -hmm. and and that's the difference between training and practice i think too many crossfitters train every day yeah right yeah and that's a recipe for disaster long term mm -hmm. yeah there's um gosh i have to remember 
Exactly. The, the three, there's a, it reminds me of another cue that I, I drew up where it talks about uh, the, the purpose of your training and either you're, you're building your engine, you're tuning your engine or you're testing your engine. Uh, I'll have to go, this is a post I, I drew up, geez, almost two years ago or so. I need to go back and revisit it. But the idea here is that each, you should have different days for different purposes. Uh, and it can't always be just taking your Lamborghini to the racetrack and, and seeing how fast it's going to go. And it's hard sometimes, you know, I know for me, when I go to the box, I can go in there with the best of intentions. You know, if my buddy's hitting the workout beside me, you know, all of a sudden I went from tuning my engine to testing it. But, you know, that's where you have to put your ego aside and, and, you know, make sure you're doing what's right for you, not what's, not what's right for your ego. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that wisdom that you build up. As I get older, I realize all of these life experiences that I've, I've gone through, uh, they culminate into this thing called wisdom. And the cool thing about that, it's like, it's not useful for anything unless you share it with other people. Hopefully the uh, people who want, who want to listen. <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing right now as we talk yeah. about trapdoor. So again, you know, this, this cue often used for the Olympic lifts, we can use it for overhead as well. Is there anything else you would add to this cue that we haven't touched upon? I've, I feel like we pretty much covered, covered it. It's pretty simple, right? Um, we're just talking about moving our feet and, and doing it quickly and not leaving the earth for too long, but we're just getting our feet out of the way so we can land, not just with our body weight, but hopefully with a, with a, with a heavy bar in the, in the future. So I hope it translates well for many people and I hope that they can use it. And uh, if you have any other cues along these lines, please feel free to let us know. Absolutely, always hit us up, whiteboardweeklypodcast at gmail.com. And, and I think one thing I wanna to add to this is, so many people struggle with the idea of getting under the bar. So there's a lot of people that can power clean or power snatch more than they can squat clean or snatch. Yeah. And, and this is an amazing tool for them. I think, you know, you have some great drawings on there out there on tall cleans and, and those positional movements, but this is the stuff they need to work on. They need to, you know, work on their foot position. They need to work on just that, third pole but you know barring injury i don't think there's a reason anyone should be power cleaning more than they can squat clean do you no i completely agree with that um i know it's a hard pill for many people to swallow um i think most of those people who are having a hard time swallowing that pill are ones that uh either their ego gets in the way or their form is probably pretty poor um the the, the better your form is you'll see that you can uh, get under much, much heavier weight when it's uh, when you catch it in a full squat rather than a power position. And, and to be honest, with me and my levers, I'm actually I'm probably right there with both. I can the 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 diff difference between me and my squat clean and me and my power clean is not as great as what I want it to be. I wish I could squat clean a lot more. Um, I guess, but anybody does, right? Yeah, and I mean, there's a difference between you know maximizing your body's potential due to being tall versus i mean what i always see is you know people that are pulling the bar like chest height yeah. neck height chin yeah. height and then missing the clean because they simply won't drop at all under the bar i mean i think my squat clean to power clean is probably 60 pounds heavier yeah the, i'll tell you what if we, real quick if we're going to talk about power clean more than squat clean 
we got to talk about, I'm not sure if you know who James Townsend is. I, he is a freak of, like, I love the guy. I'm, he, he blesses me with comments every now and then on some of my posts, but you should look up this guy, uh, James Townsend, the James Townsend. We'll definitely and throw his uh, link into the show notes. He, and the reason why I'm talking, bringing it up right now is because he just, the speed at which he power cleans, I, I don't think I've ever really seen him squat clean. Um, but I've seen him power clean some heavy, heavy, heavy weight and he, because he's so damn quick and it works well for him. I think he actually competed in a master's Olympic weightlifting competition. And I think that all of his clean attempts were all power cleans. I'm pretty sure about that. But hey, again, if it works for you, I'm not going to complain. Go for it. You do, you do what works best for you, by all means. Like my friend Chuck Carswell likes to say, you do you, boo. You do you, boo. Yeah, I can see him saying that. All right, Carl. So take us out then. Hey, uh, thank you again, everyone, uh, for listening. I hope you guys understand how much it means to myself and Jason that you uh, would take time out of your day to listen to the words that we, we share on here. Uh, this is truly a passion of ours, and we do it because we hope that it helps other people. We do these discussions because we're, we love talking about it, but more than anything, we hope that it helps you become a better coach. And we are always open to other cues, other topics, other things to discuss. So by all means, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And while you're doing that, please listen, please subscribe, please rate, uh, please follow us. And uh, we just want to grow this to be uh, the best resource tool for you as possible. So, and again, just like Jason, we've talked about before, high tide raises all boats. So together, let's keep working together to rise those tides. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Whiteboard Weekly. On behalf of Carl and myself, Jason Ackerman, we really appreciate the download. We really appreciate you sharing our episodes with friends, families, your box owner, your buddies at the gym, anyone that's willing to listen to us talk about all things CrossFit, all things coaching, and all things coaches development. We do this because we have an absolute love and passion for it. And we hope that you can tell that through our talking and through each episode. If you haven't already, please feel free to leave us a review on any podcast platform. It goes a long way in helping us spread the word. Once again, thanks again for listening.